This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. On the Record with White House Correspondent April Ryan. I'm April Ryan with On the Record. With me, I have the former Transportation Secretary of the Obama Administration, former Mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina, Secretary Anthony Fox. Hello, Secretary Fox. How are you? I'm great, April. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, Again, you were formerly of the Obama administration. What does it look like in the real world now, a year after (laughs) you've been out, uh, you've been let out of Washington? What what does it look like? What does the real world look like? Well, it's different. Um, (laughs) uh, The good thing about transportation, just as a subject, is that it, it continues to be one that stays a little outside of the traditional political fray. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, from a transportation standpoint, uh, I think it's more or less the same. You know, you will recall, April, that we we were able to convince a Republican-led Congress to pass the FAST Act, Mm -hmm. which was the first long-term surface transportation bill we'd have had in almost a decade. Mm -hmm. And really, we only had a year of it in our administration, and now the current administration has four more years of certainty. So um, it's much more of the same than it's different from a transportation standpoint. Hmm. So again, now you're a layman. Um, You were the uh, Secretary of Transportation in the Obama administration. And right now, this president, this Trump administration, is focusing in on something that the Obama administration focused in on, infrastructure uh, for the needs of crumbling roadways, bridges. I mean, our infrastructure is old. And then at the same time, it's meant to stimulate jobs. Talk to me about, um, if you can, and help us understand a little bit more, the needs of the American infrastructure from your point of view. And then also, I know, because you used to always say the sky is falling and no one is listening. And when it falls, they'll be like, I kept telling you. So, um, but, but yeah, so with that, I mean, this administration is going to focus specifically on infrastructure in rural America. Can you talk to us about the needs of rural America um, when it comes to infrastructure and and why do you think this administration is targeting that group? Well, um, the needs of rural America are not entirely unlike the needs of the rest of America in the sense that we have a lot of dilapidated infrastructure, bridges that need to be fixed, roads that need to be repaved. Um, You can go on down the list. I think specifically with respect to rural America, uh, rural America struggles in an urbanizing country, in an urbanizing world, with with connection to the global economy, frankly. And, um, you know, over time, 
as population has begun to concentrate around large urban centers, as jobs have uh, focused significantly on the suburban ring around those cities, um, it's become increasingly difficult for urban America to carve a niche out um, in terms of growth. Now, obviously, our rural communities are always going to be places where we uh, rely on for agriculture, for example. Um, but the big type of, uh, you know, manufacturing plant or uh, something like that, those, those jobs have been, uh, they've been hard hit. So um, I, think, I think it's obviously a critical area, but I also think one of the challenges is that just because you build a road doesn't mean the job is going to follow. And so I think, uh, you know, if this administration pursues this path, they're going to need to have strong alignment between um, their job recruitment centers as much as with their infrastructure commitments. Hmm. So when you talk about rural America and and, in this, because people, I mean, it's why differentiate? Why not just yeah. say we're going to do I mean, that's I mean, it's like rule versus the rest. I mean, and they're saying yeah. this administration is saying that, you know, rural America has been uh, neglected. Is that true? Did you neglect rural America during the Obama administration? <laughs> and, I mean, and uh, why differentiate? No, mm-hmm. no I, I, we, we didn't neglect rural America. I, I, I think, though, that um, that for decades, um, there's not been a coherent answer to the question of, you know, how does a rural community connect into the global economy? But, but you know, I would also say that for many of our urban centers, the same question exists. You know, um, there, there, are, there are kids who grew up in, uh, in rural North Carolina, let's say, who are every bit as disconnected from the global economy as a child who's growing up in uh, an urban part of uh, Raleigh or Charlotte, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think part of the problem is is that uh, what what really needs a focus is poverty, whether it's urban poverty or rural poverty. And I also think we've got to be careful not to put too much pressure on transportation. That's why I say that I don't think it, it you can expect high degrees of success simply by putting a road or a rail or. Uh, and the port expansion, I think some of it has to do with with uh, government at every level working together to uh, recruit companies and to tie infrastructure investment to the companies that are actually coming as opposed to, you know, building it and hoping they'll come. So you're saying poverty is a big piece. Um... I think poverty is the issue. I think and I, and I think poverty is not confined to rural America. And in fact, um, I think one of the strongest coalitions that we don't have actively working in this country is a coalition between the urban and the rural poor. Um, there are dilapidated schools in both, pla- both places. There are uh, examples of dilapidated infrastructure in both places. There are examples of uh, you know uh, high rates of uh, low health care in both uh, both areas and, uh, you know, needed medical services and so forth. And I, you know, I, I think the issues are much more similar at the top than they are different. Now there are different variations, um, depending on where you are, but I, I really think we need to work harder as a country to bring our rural and our urban communities together and to think together about how to solve these problems. So in 2018, you know, mm-hmm. we, we are witnessing a technology explosion. 
as well as um, an explosion of populations. But why in 2018 are we still talking about things are dilapidated and crumbling? And and is there yeah. a fix on the horizon that you might know of from your time in the Obama administration for roadways that are going to be, or, or bridges, or some kind of materials that are more durable and long-lasting that can last yeah. for hundreds of years versus crumbling in, in five to ten or how long? How many years? Yeah, I, look, I... There's several challenges. One is that some of our systems, like our interstate system, were built with basically federal money, um, but the maintenance of those systems was was more or less devolved to the states. And um, as we have a more mature system with you know millions of miles of uh, of roadway now, um, the challenge is that uh, we have to continue building and maintain and the cost of doing both of those at the same time is so much greater for example downtown los angeles there are not that many more lane miles los angeles can build um you know they're they're constrained and so you're seeing places like los angeles and seattle uh even nashville has uh is is in the middle of a discussion about a large wide-scale building plan that focuses not just on roads, but on things like transit, on things like um, pedestrian walkways and paths and sidewalks. Um, you know, April, one of the most stark statistics saw the Secretary of Transportation was the fact that in our poor communities across the country, um, fewer than half of them have adequate sidewalks. And so it's little to wonder why you would see higher pedestrian fatality rates in those communities than you would see in a place that actually has adequate sidewalks. So these things are really big questions, um, but I don't think we've had the national reset on what transportation systems we need in the future. We're still kind of stuck in 1956 mm-hmm. trying to build the system that Eisenhower had in mind as, as opposed to thinking about what we need in the 21st century. Now, that's interesting. So when you're talking about, and I want to go back to something you, you kept saying, when you're saying we're stuck in 1956 with Eisenhower transportation systems, yeah. and we're in 2018, and you keep saying the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Yeah. You said, when it falls, said, I told you so. You're like Chicken Little. Mm-hmm. What, mm-hmm. What, what is your fear that's going to fall? Since we're still stuck in 58 and it's 2018. <laughs> so what we're setting ourselves up for, aside from you know, the obvious of bridge collapses and things that happen because we just have substandard infrastructure is our population is growing so rapidly, it's urbanizing rapidly, and we have more or less population that's going to overwhelm the infrastructure we have. And and so, for example, like you, you live in the greater Washington, D.C. area, and I bet your commutes into work are uh, a percentage higher today than they were 10 or 15 years ago. And if you think forward 10 or 15 years from now, you know, if a 30-minute commuter is an hour, it starts to affect how your quality of life is. And I, I think for America, it is uh, the problem of transportation used to be the way that our quality of life put us at an advantage of the rest of the world. Uh, we used to save time because we had more efficient systems and now it could end up being the thing that makes it harder for us to be efficient both economically as a country and as well on an individual basis Hmm. in 2050 what do you think 
the transportation system will be in this nation. The transportation systems will we be riding over ground like you know those, <laughs> you, you, you know like almost like uh, was it the yeah. Jetsons or not the Jetsons but you know yeah. those, those skywalks you know because um, I know like in Chicago when it's cold they walk through buildings do we, we have like walkways above ground and roadways maybe above ground as well as the ones on the ground what do you think it's going to look like I think we're going to have incredibly transformative um, technologies over the next uh the next uh, 30 years and it wouldn't surprise me to see both above surface and below surface innovation and transportation like you know people talk about the flying car we're not that far off from that um and you know some of the things like hyperloop uh which are basically uh trains that that run on uh um, on magnets frictionless systems i think those those types of systems are going to be uh, much more prevalent in the, in the future. Uh, what I do worry about, honestly, is uh, frankly less about whether we're going to have disruptive move, technology that moves us and more about whether some of the technology that makes it possible for us to have meetings where we're all sitting in different places, but we have more or less like a hologram of the meeting and we're kind of there, but we're not there. I wonder how much technology is going to push us more to just be in our own homes and our own environments and away from other people, which I think is, uh, um, you know, far more uh, challenging uh, and perhaps dangerous from a social standpoint. Right. Uh, Isolation. Development and technology. Yeah, exactly. We become more isolated. That's right. Hmm. You almost sounded like you're, you're 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 thinking of a Wakanda forever kind of society. <laughs> if you saw the movie, you know how they are moving in those machines, and and not only in the surface machines, but other things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else you'd like to add? I mean, we haven't heard from you in a while, and I'm just happy to talk to you again. And uh, just 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 listen to what you have to say about transportation, the innovations, the challenges, and plus other things. Yeah, well, you know, I, I do think you're going to see in the not-too-distant future a real hunger from industry for um, for federal and state rules to begin uh, clarifying how these technologies are actually going to find us as consumers and as businesses. Um, and I think that's going to be a challenge um, because from administration to administration, there are different approaches to regulation, and it's in some corners become a dirty word, but I think uh, you're going to see industry actually wanting to have uh, clarification on, you know, what the federal role is versus what the states is and so forth, and uh, we'll just see how that conversation evolves. It, it's caught up in federal policy and federal politics, but there's also an awful lot of state and local politics where this stuff will get worked out. Secretary Fox. Thank you so yep. very much. Um, I it's hope always I'm a, a pleasure. Yes, it's always a pleasure. I hope in 2050 um, that my life will extend that long, and I can see I could possibly. Hello. I know I could possibly see that kind of uh, a Black Panther kind of thing, the Wakanda kind of city, you know, flying cars and things of that nature. But hey, who knows? <laughs> You got it, April. All right. Wakanda I, forever. Wakanda forever. <laughs> Thank you, sir. It's always good talking right. to you. Take, take, take care, care Secretary we'll Fox. See. Thanks. With this week's On the Record, I'm AURN White House correspondent April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. 